Greetings, I'm Alex Kalafi, producer and editor of the Venture Fizz podcast. And on today's bonus episode of the show, we're going to be doing something a little different. Today, we're talking about a subject near and dear to my heart, video games and the power of play. I sit down with Susanna Pollock, president of Games for Change, which is a non-profit organization that empowers game creators to drive real-world change using games and technology. Some of the ways they do that include the game design competition, the Games for Change Student Challenge, interactive arcades produced to show off the best social impact in learning games in the market today, consulting for creators, and more. They also produced the Games for Change Festival in June, as well as the recently announced Games for Change Accelerator, which provides funding, mentoring, go-to-market planning, ongoing business development, and continuous support to selected companies. In this episode of our podcast, we cover lots of topics, like Susanna's background and experience and how she joined Games for Change, all the details behind Games for Change and what they do, what Susanna thinks makes video games uniquely qualified to spark change, examples of video games large and small that are successfully pro-social, the details behind the new Games for Change Accelerator, some of Susanna's favorite video games, plus a lot more. Alright, without further ado, here's my interview with Susanna. Susanna, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. To start, I was thinking we would go back in time. Tell me about your background. Sure. So um, I actually have a traditional media background, having worked in television for about 15 years. Um, Had the good fortune of working for the BBC, so some of the best television content uh, there is out there. Um, And I always was involved in partnerships, development, um, have helping amazing narrative and documentary TV series get made and, and seen by millions of people. Um, and about uh, five, seven years ago, I got very interested in interactive media and the power that uh, different platforms can offer storytelling. And that led me to Games for Change, as around that time, I, I just got hooked on the notion and the feeling that games are really the the platform for 21st century storytelling. And there's so many interesting things about the mechanics um, that are designed in in a game experience that lend themselves well to not only narrative storytelling, but engaging in audiences in unique ways um, that ultimately could drive to impact. Um, So I started working with the organization about five years ago, doing partnerships, you know, kind of like transferred my skills from the linear and traditional media into um, this interactive media. And then about three years ago, was asked to run the organization. And I've been having a blast ever since. Just out of curiosity, what would you say your experiences with video games prior to Games for Change, or I guess independent of it? Well, I guess it's, you know, as a consumer, you know, I didn't grow up as a huge gamer, but I certainly grew up, you know, for me, it was in the 80s with Atari, you know, and Nintendo. I mean, those were the games that I played, you know, Space Invaders and Pong and things like that. Um, you know, and uh, I kind of revisited games more from the interactive storytelling standpoint. In the mid-90s and early in 2000, the BBC was doing some really interesting interactive drama storytelling uh, through the internet. And to me, that was very game-like. It was like a choose-your-own-adventure experience. And that, uh, to me, trans, you know, really translated into um, what games can do. Mm. You got involved as president of Games for Change. For those who don't know, what is Games for Change? So Games for Change is a not-for-profit. We've been around since 2004, so we're in our 15th year. And we've grown up 
pretty much as a you know gra grassroots organization built on this premise that games have a, a very powerful opportunity uh, to do more than just entertain and be a commercial um, uh, platform, you know, for uh, for play. And uh, what started off with a, a group of academics and on social entrepreneurs um, and game designers, it's grown into a community of really multidisciplinary stakeholders who are touching games in some way, whether they're uh, the designers themselves, they're researchers and assessment experts, neuroscientists that are using games to help change the way you know people are, their brains are wired, to humanitarians that are using games to raise awareness around climate change, um, and brands and tech companies, of course. So it's just a massive ecosystem now that um, all are involved in using games. And now we're doing a lot more in virtual reality and augmented reality and other platforms. Um, they're using these mechanics and these platforms to drive some kind of positive impact. Okay, and uh, just to get a little more on that, do you, I know that you have the Accelerator, the Games for Change Accelerator, but outside of that, you uh you do competitions too right yeah so we engage in the community in, in a number of ways uh for for many years we um existed really as a sector builder so our our efforts have been primarily about and they still are about bringing more professional and creative people into the community and we do that through a number of programs um uh, we've been running challenges or competitions for years. We put a call to action to the creative community to design or develop games around a social issue. And we often work with a not-for-profit or a brand partner that is interested in engaging with this creative community, you know, getting people to think about how you might design a game to solve a world problem. So, for example, we've worked with um, Autodesk that has been doing a lot of interesting work with climate change. Um, we've worked on financial literacy games. We worked with uh, MacArthur Foundation and Skoll Foundation and uh, Carnegie designing or designing a competition around games that have to do with nuclear weapons risk. Um, so, you know, like issue agnostic to, to, for us is really about the medium and using the, the medium and the platform for change. So that's a way to engage with, you know, a huge creative and development um, uh, community on these issues. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, we are act as a convener and as a curator where we bring together people um, who are interested to explore this. And we do this with our annual Games for Change Festival that happens every year in New York City. Uh, the next one coming up is actually June uh, 17th through the 19th in New, York's, uh, in New York City at Parsons. And it's open to um, it's all professionals, executives, teachers, researchers, scientists, um, all who are excited about figuring out how to get involved and understanding best practices. Do you have uh, any interactions with any of the more major publishers or even indie publishers just for commercially released games? Or do you mostly work on things that are used for academic and uh, not, not at the consumer level? Oh, no, absolutely. We're working with um, AAA publishers and with indie games that are direct to consumer. Um, I think that's what's so uh, promising and, and what's amazing about games is that, um, you know, they're in everyone's hands. It's a ubiquitous form of entertainment. 
um, and that's no longer just available to you know people who have a console right in their living room or their family room or wherever. Um, so yeah, so we have a high level of engagement from publishers like um, uh, Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed team has been to our festival a number of times. They've, um, in addition to having a consumer facing product that basically has developed a um, generation of young kids falling in love with world history through their games. Um, they've actually invested time and resources in creating an educational version of, mm -hmm. the, uh, of the game, the Discovery Tour. So we're a perfect place in which to highlight that activity and also to engage you know, across uh, sector communities. Um, we've also had um, Take Two present for access. In fact, um, Steve Meyer came a couple years ago. He's the creator of Civilization. And he came to announce the fact that they're going to be using that IP to create an educational version. Um, we also are having this year, actually, the creator of Plague Inc. is coming to keynote, um, James Vaughn. And if those of you who aren't familiar with Plague Inc., it's a, a game in which you um, are spreading a virus around the world. Um, so in some ways, it's a health you know, control or a health awareness game but by inversing it and you were actually infecting the world with different kind of viruses um and that is a hugely successful game 120 million players worldwide it spawned a whole brand board games uh off uh shoot games and um and uh things like that can be very successful what are some games that you would say are successfully pro-social uh you mentioned assassin's creed and i think about like maybe papers please yeah. Um, but what are some of your favorites that are in the pro-social realm? Yeah, Paper Space is great. I mean, Lucas Pope did an amazing job, and it's you know, it's basically an individual, right, who made that game and and the impact that that uh, it's been able to have. Um, more recently, there's this fantastic game called Eco, um, and it was actually funded by the Department of Education. Uh, but it's a um, but it's a direct-to-consumer game that's a world-building game that's completely rooted in uh, science. And so while you are, you know, creating like you would in civilization, you know, you're creating systems and, um, and currency and, and uh, communities, you've got this underpinning of scientific evidence that's informing all of your decisions of sustainability and things like that. So um, I know this this game is doing a, a doing very very strongly on Steam, um, and I kind of put that in the same kind of bucket as a uh, Papers Please. Um, you also have uh, games like um, I would even say a game like Journey, which was very successful a few years ago. It is available on PlayStation. It's it's not a a game for change that has any direct impact goal but it is this beautiful game of contemplation and uh individual kind of ex exploration and relationships with other people and so it has this ability to transform you and move you to places that other kind of games traditional games don't and we and we feel and i feel like that kind of game is one that like elevates you into a um a kind of like a uh, higher form of, of consciousness. A uh, trend that I'm hearing just as we talk about uh, the various games that you've been involved with is that when you look at Games for Change, you're like, okay, 
maybe this will be in the realm of political social justice, which is cool, of course. But hearing you talk about it, it seems like Games for Change is just so much bigger than that. Uh, like it's it's pro-social in every possible meaning of the phrase. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the opportunities to engage in different industries are really, really strong. So at our festival, for example, we actually program our um, our talks along three different tracks. And I don't think this is exclusive in how you can really look at at it, but we do look at it, at that civic and social issues, right? Like like what you just were talking about. How can we raise awareness around an issue? How can we um, inform people about about um, relevant things like immigration or border control, right? Like um, uh, papers, please. But then you've got games that can literally educate, right? Transfer knowledge. Games that can be used in the classroom, whether they're to teach math or to teach systems thinking or uh, civil rights or um, the you know legislative system. I mean, there are, are games that are, can be intentionally designed to help uh, to help and and uh, aid the education process. Then you have got games in the healthcare sector, and that's a really exciting new area where uh, games and VR are being designed by neuroscientists in in labs all over the country. You've got Dr. Adam Ghazali, who's out at UC San Francisco. He's designing games that help kids with ADHD. Mm. It has a game that's been submitted to the FDA, the Food and Drug Association, for approval. And it's on its way to getting approved. And, it, and it, once it is, it will be the first digital medicine that can be prescribed by doctors as an alternative to drugs to treat ADHD. Wow. That's something. Isn't that really cool? Yeah. And and so we're, we're, we're learning through clinical studies, I mean, long longitudinal studies. It's taking years to get to this point where you can prove the eth efficacy of a game in the same way you could do with, you know, with traditional medicine. But we're getting there. And, and the fact that a game through, you know, a very, you know, um, a professionally designed game that that undertakes all of the um, uh, the science behind, let's say, the way our brain works, and you can actually design an experience that over repetitive behavior can actually change the way our brain is wired permanently, right? That's pretty intense. Huh. And that's that's the kind of thing that we are looking to encourage. Mm. I, you kind of answered this already along the way, but just to uh, ask more formally, what do you think makes games uniquely qualified to spark change, whether that be in the world or just within one's community? Well, there's so many ways, um, but just, just to identify a few things that I think are unique to games as a form of entertainment. So unlike linear forms of entertainment like television or watching a film or even reading a book, those would tend to be kind of more passive experiences almost kind of like a lean back experience where you are following along a story as a third person. And it may be very emotional and you might learn something along the way. Absolutely. I mean, particularly if it's a, a, a textbook, if you will. Um, but a game, because of the mechanics, gives you a sense of agency where you are actually changing the outcome of the game. And the outcome may be because you're role playing and you choose whether the character does A or B or because you're solving problems and that's the way you're going to get to the next level. Um, and so you're engaged, you're leaning forward, you're leaning forward in a game in a way that other other material and other types of um, entertainment doesn't offer. 
I think that's one, you know, one way to think about games and its and its ability to connect with people and allow people to connect with the material in which they are um, engaging with. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned VR a couple times. Would you say that VR has been used more by Games for Change than AR? Because like I, I think about the VR AR world or the VR AR war, and it seems like AR has been winning it in a lot of different sectors. But I wonder if VR would have a special place in Games for Change compared to AR. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that because VR can be more immersive, right? Because right. of the headset, because of the fact that you can't see through it, you are fully immersed in an experience. It almost takes the game into the next level, right? Where mm -hmm. you are literally surrounded completely by what you're what you're living through and playing through. Um, and also because, and and I think from an impact standpoint. Um, you know, VR does allow you to develop that empathy. Um, it has been called an empathy machine. It's probably an overused term, but it, but it is so because of the relationship, again, that you're able to either have with the character you're assuming, right, seeing through the eyes, literally stepping into the role of another person, or what can be equally as effective, standing right next to um the person who is going through an emotional experience, which often can be just as powerful. Um, so there is that reason that VR, I think, does have a special place in the Games for Change uh, landscape. But that's not to say that AR doesn't either. So it's not that we as an organization favor one or over the other. Um, I think the AR can have actually a, um, an even um, more commercial opportunity, certainly from a direct consumer, because you can turn any phone into an AR device, um, but also um, in an enterprise, right? Using AR as a way to, um, or MR, as a way to train doctors for bringing, let's say, cadavers to life when you were learning about the anatomy, right? Um, AR is a way of going through the, um, through the body when you are looking in as alternatives to, to like invasive um, exploratory surgery. So there are a lot of applications on the AR front. Um, I think they can be from an impact standpoint, very often on a, as I said, more in, in a B2B manner than, uh, than the VR, which um, if you experience it as a consumer, tends to be very, very powerful. Got it, got it. Moving on a little bit, uh, in March, the Games for Change Accelerator for Developers was announced. What is the story there? And uh, what was the, like, how did it come to be? Yeah, so the, the Games for Change Accelerator is somewhat of a, a dream come true for us. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we've been very involved in building the sector right, a community of practice around, around professionals who use games and VR for impact. And it's always been a matter of having us really having a light touch. You know, we, we, we celebrate and promote other people's work. We, all, we, we uh, every so often run a challenge um, that gives opportunities to developers to explore a medium around a social issue. But this is the first time that we're actually gonna have an opportunity to fund and support projects directly. Uh, through this accelerator program. 
And it's happening only in, in because of a partnership that we developed with two very, very successful companies, all which all with different um, skill sets, which why which I think is going to make this work. First is IX Investments, which is a social impact investment fund um, that was uh, formed in part, founded by uh, Howard Buffett, which is Warren Buffett's grandson. Um, and they've been doing social impact investment investment for a number of years um, in different verticals, uh, but this will be their first foray into developing a fund for, um, for games in VR that can drive measurable impact. Um, the third partner in, in uh, this venture is Quake Capital. And Quake Capital is an early stage uh, venture fund and accelerator, and they have a fantastic model that they've developed over the last three years, running accelerators in New York and other cities across the country. So uh, with all of our respective expertise, we are really um, uh, confident that we're going to be able to offer a program that supports developers or researchers, people coming out of universities that have a premise has an alpha project or a beta project that um, that is, it can be a game or it could be a VR, AR, MR experience that has uh, potential or is active in the marketplace to drive measurable impact, but also have uh, a sustainable business model. Is there a theme for the accelerator? Is it VR? No, this, this uh, time around for our launch, there's no particular theme. Um, we are going to accept teams that are either developing a game, a video game, mobile game, AR game, VR game, or um, a VR experience using the, or AR, MR experience. Um, so a, it could be a product that is, uh, again, we, I mentioned the healthcare system earlier that services doctors or a platform for patient care that utilizes VR um, and AR in that, or it could be um um, or it could be a direct consumer game that, um, you know, that also that deals with a, a social issue um, that has, again, a measurable, you know, we want to be able to measure that impact as well as um, drive sustainable value. Very cool. It's starting in September and then the applications are available until May 31st, right? Yeah, so we're open for business. Um, we are accepting applications now to the end of May. Um, we will start the program in September in New York City. We'll accept five uh, teams for this first cohort. It'll be a four-month program. Um, and then starting, um, uh, I think, September 2020 is when we hope to be able to expand to other cities as well. Cool. And uh, nothing to announce as for which other cities. No, we, we, we want to make sure we perfect the model first in New York before we go elsewhere. Um, but there are a number of uh, wonderful communities that I think would uh, be able to support and engage in what we're looking to do. I mean, one of the unique things about, I think, what the accelerator that we want to offer, you know, in addition to some very real funding opportunities, we're going to be able to offer between $150,000 and $500,000 worth of funding to the teams that participate in the cohort. But almost as important to that, you know, very important investment is access to resources that we have seen over the years uh, can be difficult for, for developers to, uh, to reach or be able to afford. 
So if there are teams that are needing to be paired with active researchers, you can set up clinical trials or a game that has been um, at a, a beta experience that's being released on beta and Steam, but they really need to understand that scalable model and um, are looking for support from you know, direct-to-consumer partners, whether it's Apple or Google or a user acquisition strategy, we'll be able to bring those kind of resources to the table and hopefully get these projects to market and being able to scale. Um, the same thing goes with the B2B uh, experiences. So we are also accepting projects that might have an application for the healthcare sector or for the education sector. And again, bringing those experts to the table to help these teams um, develop a, a business model and uh, a sales plan that can get these products to the people they want to serve. Um, we also are looking for diversity in the teams that are participating. Um, Quake uh, Capital is um, both both companies, Quake and IX, um, are are run by women and Games for Changes as well. So we all feel very strongly that um, diversity is. Uh, is a necessary component to having a healthy makeup of our first award. Cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. One, um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. What game or what games do you think have, have successfully caused the most social change? It can be commercial. It can be private. Uh, just what video games do you think have actually been the most successful and doing social change. You know, it's just been really interesting, and I, I, I don't know if it's social. It's not necessarily social change in the way that um, we would necessarily give it out an award. Um, you know, we do give awards every year for our for like most significant impact or um, or uh, most innovative game, but. The, the phenomenon that's happened this past year and a half, um, well, two games come to mind. The phenomenon with both Fortnite, but prior to that with Pokemon Go. I'm going to go with Pokemon Go for, for, for a minute because I think, well, one, Niantic does have, who made Pokemon Go, um, the game, uh, has the underpinning as a company that is socially motivated. It's They want to make games that make people exercise, get out of the house, and socialize. And I think that game ex was able to accomplish it all. And you actually did have and do have um, hundreds of thousands of people who, who took their game out, who, took, who experienced a game out of the home that encouraged them to meet and be with other people, form communities. And I think that is is one of the, the best social benefits and social emotional benefits that games can provide um, all, all around, even the most commercial game. Um, so um, I think that was transformative to demonstrate that games, and one, that games can be for different demographics all over the world and that they're universal. And I, and I, I will go with that for now. Okay. <laughs> Any... Uh... <laughs> Any games ahead that particularly excite you in the realm of social change? I think of Dreams. The uh, I became part of the creator early access, and Dreams is an amazing game development engine. And I and I know you know what it is, but for the people who don't know what it is, it's a game created by Media Molecule who did Little Big Planet, made a consumer accessible video game engine so that people can 
create their own video games and create their own short films and artwork and everything. And it's a very beautiful game that this conversation is making me think about. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm also really excited to see what's, what's going to happen with Rebel Inc., which is Endemic's next game. Um, about, you know, how do they take everything they learned that with Plague Inc., which was a happy accident, you know, it was a $5,000 Kickstarter, you know, fundraise, and um, and it spawned, a, a you know, a huge business for, for Endemic, and now they're in a position with Rebel Inc. to launch this much more strategically and actually have, you know, um, uh, an intentional uh, impact. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with that game. Cool, cool. What are you most proud of from your time at Games for Change? Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about is the work that we're doing with youth. Um, so part of our mission is to empower you know, game designers and social innovators to use games uh, to drive impact. And, you know, inspiring the next generation of of game designers is uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, so we've been working with um, youth, underserved youth in cities across the US. We're in New York, Atlanta, Detroit, and Chicago, and um, LA at the moment. And we're offering a games design program for middle and high school students to learn how to make games, but also look at games differently. They're going to be learning about how to make games about social issues. So looking at this medium as a way to improve their communities. And to date, we've reached over 10,000 kids. Um, and we are continuing to reach thousands every year and are also inspiring a diverse group of kids to say, you know what? They, there's a career path in game design. Like there are jobs out there for me. I might be an artist or a musician or a graphics designer or a storyteller, I can work in this industry and actually can have my voice heard. And I think that's very exciting. That is very exciting. How can people learn more? Well, on our website, gamesforchange.org, um, you will find a links to our festival. If any, any of your listeners are in New York City or want to come, um, we also have a link to our student challenge. If, if there are any parents out there who want to engage their kids in one of our programs and um, also to the accelerator. Actually, the accelerator has a different link. It's g4caccelerator.com and you can find the application there um, and uh, take a look about, about what we're going to be looking for and uh, get in touch. Excellent. To close us out, what are some of your favorite video games, social or not? Oh, well, um, I do love Civilization. It's a, a classic, and I just love the world-building games. Um, Civ, Civ Five is probably my favorite. Um, I also, on the completely other end, let's say the mobile end, um, I really like um, um, Monu Monument Valley. I think it's a beautiful design, just perfectly designed game. Um, and... Uh, Absolutely, I love playing that through. And on the education game, very different type of game, but called Walden, the game, which was made by Tracy Fullerton um, out of USC. Um, and it was funded by the National Endowment of the Humanities, which I think is super cool that a federal agency would fund a video game. Um, and it is tells uh, a very lyrical experience about Henry Thoreau and his experience at Walden Pond. And I think it's really cool. Very cool. All right. Well, to uh, close us off, 
Susanna, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to go to gamesforchange.org. And uh, thanks for just telling me all about the cool, heartwarming things happening in video games right now. Well, thank you so much. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFizz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.